The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to Are You Afraid? Double Feature, Part 1, Red Tide, brought to you by KPCD666, Cape Radio, a PoppyChulaRadio.com original series, Poppy Chula Radio, celebrating a decade of podcasting excellence. Today is Thursday, September 9th, 2021, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on FX's American Horror Story, Double feature. Please welcome my co-host, Vinny Hatcher. I have a PhD from Harvard. Math is well below my pay grade. And hi. Love it. Madison Fitzpatrick. Hey guys, welcome back. And Odina Gonzalez. Hello. Let's jump into our discussion of season 10, episode 4 which was titled Blood Buffet and aired September 8th, 2021. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. The dark history of Provincetown and its residents are brought to light. That's all they gave me. That's all y'all getting. Okay. This was a flashback episode. This was also... Interestingly enough, the annual, usual Halloween episode of American Horror Story. I don't know if everybody's noticed, but there's usually, typically, like 99% of the time, a Halloween episode on American Horror Story. And uh, even though this story that we have been watching the past couple of episodes takes place, like, deep into the winter, like, I was like, how are they going to do Halloween deep in the winter? And, duh. You do a flashback. So uh, we start off five years in the past, and then we go back two years into the past, and that's pretty much all we get. We, we only get the flashbacks this episode. So let's start off by talking about the chemist. We got a lot of the chemist this episode. This was a chemist-heavy episode after not really seeing her at the start of the season, and then all of a sudden she just popped up. Well, let's just say, hearing about her, you know, at the start of the season, but then she popped up in the previous episode, and now this was an episode focused on her. We do get the history of a couple of the P-Town denizens that we know, but for the most part, this is the chemist's hour. So let's talk about the chemist. What did we think of the chemist? Uh, we got a lot of information about sort of like the BTS creation of that tragic magic little black pill the muse as it was dubbed recently but at least so far and this is the antepenultimate episode of red tide meaning there are only two episodes left of 
Red Tide before we jump into Death Valley. We didn't really get the answers that we wanted. Doesn't mean that the answers are still there. But we didn't get the answers that we wanted, that we theorized, that we really, really liked. So let's talk about this. I don't know, there's something in my heart that says Odina has something to say. So I'll, we'll start off with you. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. Um, okay, so if we're talking just about the chemist specifically, like you said, it was kind of, like the episode was driven by her and her character. I like that we got kind of like her background where she came from and like kind of more more of an idea of like what qualifies her to even be making these pills. But I will say I'm a little disappointed <laughs> um, just because there was no like, and this is going to be my feelings throughout this whole thing, but you get like backstory, but it's like the bare bones backstory. Like I didn't see anything where I was like, oh my God, like how is that going to affect the future? I was just kind of like, oh, okay, cool. Like this is a side quest. And that's kind of how I felt for the chemist. Like, it's cool. She works for the government. She, like, tells us she went to Harvard and she has the qualifications for all this. But you still don't necessarily find out what exactly is in the pills. Like, she never really describes that. Um, and then, like, you're not really giving us anything that we didn't already know. Like, using basically the townspeople as, like, guinea pigs for this test for the government, like, okay, cool, now we know it's for the government, but we could have guessed, like, that you were using people as guinea pigs because there's a bunch of festers running around. So as much as I like her character and I like that we knew a little bit more, I don't think it was as, I guess, dramatic or intricate or meaningful as I would have liked. Okay. You know what? I'm not going to fully disagree with you on that. Um, yeah, you made some interesting points. Uh, Maddie Fitz, you were not with us last week, so you, you were not here when the chemist was officially introduced on the series. What's your take on what we saw with the chemist, the little bit of BTS that we saw of, like, how this pill came to life and, and her looking for subjects to uh, use the pill on. Okay. <laughs> I am with Adina on this. Um, I I like that we got a backstory. You know, that's kind of what we all wanted. Um, I just, I don't feel like it's American Horror Story worthy. Uh, this whole backstory where she's coming from experimental drugs with the government. Like, I thought it would be so much creepier than that. Like, a mystery. Like, you know, like we were saying, the siren's blood and, and stuff like that. Like, it still could be part of that. But at the same time, I'm like, I it just seems too obvious, too bland uh, of a, a a plan that she came here to use the townspeople. Like, okay, but... And it, it also just, I don't know, the government is, is trying to figure out what makes people creative. Like, what? Like, I just, I, I feel like that's just so weird. And this whole thing where, you know, if you take the pill and you're not creative or you don't have talent, then uh, you turn into a fester, right? But if you are creative and talented, you thrive. But 
what to me I got really thinking about it, it is what kind of draws that line between a fester and somebody that can thrive who is judging on somebody's creativity and talent um you know what I mean so somebody can be talented um but not up to the scale of somebody else but they can still be talented so what somebody has to have um, an X amount of neurons or whatever in their head in order for this pill to really work. Um, it's just, it makes it kind of open-ended and and not so specific as I thought it was going to be. Um, so I was a little disappointed with this whole um, reveal of what the chemist was doing. It was kind of just ordinary and uh, I don't know. That's just my thought. Okay. I feel like we're all feeling... Similar-ish. Vinny, I'm going to bring you into this chat. The chemist yeah. and everything that we learned about her in regards to the pill. So I, I'm going to continue this trend. Um, I was really looking forward to learning more about her character. I, I, I'm i on the same boat. Like I, I don't feel that what we learned was impactful. I don't think that it did anything really amazing to supplement or advance the story in the present day. Uh, Angelica Ross nailed it. She did an amazing job portraying the character, and I love the character itself. But I just feel like we we really didn't need all of this. Um, I kind of like Odina said. I'm, I'm also going to kind of be continuing a trend in when I talk about things in this episode. Like I enjoyed it, I liked it, but I don't know that this was entirely necessary. Um, speaking specifically to her background, I, I agree with the fact. Like we got a little bit, but. We didn't get a lot, like, explaining her motives. I mean, we're just left to assume, okay, your motives are that because you're a scientist and you want to see what happens, you're doing this experiment and you don't care what happens to people. I would have liked if we were dedicating an entire episode to her to find out a little bit more about why she had such a breakup because she talks about it being a bad breakup with the government. You know, what happened? What led her to come to this obscure location and, you know, randomly just go pick up a, a boy hooker in a bar and try to start peddling her wares? Like... She had a really good arc throughout the episode for itself, but as far as when you try to put that puzzle piece into the picture of the entire season, I just don't know that we got all of the quality for the quality or quantity that we got. Okay. All right. This is going to be an interesting podcast because we're all on on the same page. Um, I was... Okay, let me say this first. I thought the episode, for what it was, as an episode, was fine. I mean, I thought the you know what we saw was interesting. I thought the actors did a good job acting. My problem was the explanation of everything because I feel like we had a better idea. Let's right. just be real, and. What we got as an explanation seemed, I don't know, maybe because the season was just so really, really good thus far. And I'm not going to say that the next couple episodes won't be, but this one was a bit of a letdown. I almost felt like after watching this entire episode, and we haven't talked about the entire episode, but after watching the entire episode, I was like, did we really need a full hour explaining this like could this have just been an expositiony like five minute flashback well we did get like the 
the backstory, like a bigger backstory of some of the characters. We did, but, but it's... yeah, I agree with yeah. you. It definitely was too much of her trying to explain and not really explaining what we wanted to know. What exactly is in the pills, right? Yes. Um, but even, I mean, we are going to get into everyone else's backstory. I mean, like, we, maybe we could have gotten, you know, just a little bit of exposition flashbacks for that as well. Or maybe that could have been the focus. And uh, leaving the chemist a little bit shrouded in mystery might have been a little bit more interesting. I don't know. I, I'm, all I know is that everything with the chemist, her, like, machinations, like, the testing, the hypothesis, like, all that kind of stuff could have been exposition that she was giving some character versus us having to see it because at the it end it could have been an email it could have been it an could email. have been an email because at the end it was just it was it was not that interesting and, and it seemed so non-grandiose when the show made it seem much more grandiose than it was which is disappointing because angelica ross is fantastic um the character is really interesting uh, she doesn't give two shits. She's no nonsense. Uh, she's all about her business. Like I like the character of the chemist. It just left me slightly disappointed. What I'm wondering, mm-hmm. and and I I, t- I think I touched on this last week. You know, we we talked about the fact that Red Tide is going to have the majority of the episodes for this season. We're only going to get four episodes of the second half of this season. And I'm really worried that they really are kind of investing in setting the seeds for the second half being in some way related to the first. And, you know, the moment she was like, oh, the military, the government, my projects, my this, we tested it on primates. It really has me wondering if we are going to unfortunately go the route of this being linked in some way where the latter four episodes are a flashback to the military discovering what ultimately led to the creation of these pills and the experiments that she was in. And if that's the case, I'm going to be disappointed because, you know, I feel like they were forcing information on us for an entire episode that we already had. And they added just a little bit that's still vague enough that they could turn around and give us more information next week. But... I think that this was a wasted amount of time on her that could have been done a lot better. And if it does end up that it's just to really forge a tie to the second half of the season, I'll be really disappointed. Yeah, I was thinking about the limited episode count. We have 10 episodes, four are guaranteed for Death Valley. And um, this episode just seemed a bit like the majority of it was a bit of a waste. I don't feel like we learned that much brand new information, even though they think we learned brand new information. I think a lot of what we learned in this episode, we could have surmised based off of the first handful of episodes, I think. Uh, You know, we can sort of guess people's backstories and that sort of thing. We could guess why the chemist or, like, how she was doing it, maybe a little bit. I don't know if it was that, you know, surprising. No, I mean, she did a really great job in her appearance last week to the point that everything that we found in this episode, I feel like we as the viewer could have easily intuited about her character, the way that she portrays her, without this dedicated time to minimal backstory. Yeah, 100%. So uh, let's go into the testing process. 
So, uh, well, I should say, she, the chemist is an actual chemist. Uh, she's in P-Town. She, we see her by the house that she lives in. We learn that uh, she had been studying for the military, you know, how to uh, make uh, soldiers more focused. And it had to do with, you know, the, the part of the brain with creativity, because if they are not creative, uh, you know, it'll, it motivates them in a very primal sort of way. But if you are creative, there was a surprise twist. You know, it made people even more creative, but there was the whole bloodlust thing that we know about. She, we end up seeing her at the Muse. Uh, she's introduced to Mickey, and uh, she ends up talking to him about his dreams and things of that nature. And that's when she ends up making him a deal, tells him about the pills, uh, offers him the pill, but he's like, no, 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 that's not for me. And he starts basically um, hunting, um, in air quotes, for people to take the pill. Uh, what was it? She was going to give him $50 a person. And uh, the first person that we see take the pill is a random karaoke singer at The Muse. So let's talk about him, because he does get festerlicious throughout the episode. Uh, what did, uh, sort of, what do we think of this? Uh, we get the, um, basically the lowdown on how you become a fester. We had heard about, we had been told about how people become festers, but we actually got to see a person go through the transformation. We got a little bit of an explanation as the, um, I don't know what we called it, but you know, the sort of like the gyrating type of spasms that they get. Uh, yeah, let's, let's talk about this. Uh, Vinny, let's get fester with it. Get in fester with it. Um, in all honesty, this was another aspect of this episode that I really think was drawn out way beyond where it needed to be. Um, you know, we already have a potential, and I'm, and I'm not going to get specifics, but we all have hypothesized that at some point during the season, we are potentially going to see one of our present-day characters ingest the pill who does not have talent. I'm going to leave it at that uh, until next week. But I... I it's just, it felt very forced, like, oh, you guys really need to see what happens when someone who doesn't have talent takes this pill. But really, when you see the finished product, you can actually see 100%. You know, th this person obviously went through a degradatory process, and something happened in, the, like, a de-evolution. And because it was a character that we had never met before, and we were not invested in, like, I didn't, I don't even remember catching the guy's name. You know, and yet he's given such prominence in the episode to really display for us what happens as a consequence if you're talentless. I, again, another aspect, like, I didn't hate it, but I didn't feel that it was necessary, and I didn't feel that it really did anything but do another instance of rehashing, kind of like we talked about, um, you know, how the first episode or two was really great, but then the third, we kind of felt like we were revisiting those murder scenes. Well, here... You know, if we potentially are going to see this happen in the present day, then we're going to just have this rehashed all over again. I think it was another option that could have been implied or explained without being necessary to advance anything in this episode. However, I will say that I was 
absolutely thrilled that Eureka O'Hara was in this episode and she was a shining beacon in Fester's segment and I absolutely loved it. All right. Uh, I will say this about the Fester. You said it felt a little dragged out. I didn't mind this story because this was actually interesting for me. I, I really wanted to see someone other than the person that we assume will be Festerized get Festery. And uh, I, I did enjoy this aspect. I enjoyed how they really tried to fully explain why a fester is a fester. So I, I was actually here for this part and his growing sort of frustration about the pills. And then when the truth came out and um, in the words of that movie, he couldn't handle the truth. It was spectacular. I, I, I did enjoy the fester section. Um, Odina, did you like fester or did you like Fester like I did, or were you more like, eh, like Vinny? Um, I'm kind of half in, half out. I don't think that the scene or the Fester part was not necessarily needed, but at the same time, I do f- agree that it was a bit drawn out. Um, I think it had a lot of potential to be great, because, like Vinny said, you could honestly just explain the Festers with somebody's soliloquy. Okay, great. But seeing the process and what they could have done, like, use it as a vehicle to explain what was in the pill. Because in the actual episode, she talks about, like, kind of how it affects, like, how it's supposed to affect the part of the brain that, I guess, generates creativity or helps foster creativity. And usually those with the bigger lobe or whatever are the ones that are creative and yada, yada, yada. So you get an explanation of how it affects the creativity in a person specifically, but then you don't really get an explanation. Like, he just says some people, like, get angry because they don't have any talent, and some people get angry because they have, like, they think that they're talented beyond measure or whatever. But I'm like, okay, but, like, there's no, like, you're a chemist. (laughs) Like, there's no actual, like, literal reason. You're just assuming, like, what is in the pill that affects that anger because you're saying it affects the frontal lobe or whatever that affects creativity but like does it also affect a part of the brain that triggers anger or releases chemicals that trigger anger like it was just so like unexplained but like explained but again the running theme the explanation is something we could have put together um in terms of like the whole fester moment when he goes to get the jacket and all i could have done without that like that was so unnecessary we get it, you're trying to make him look like a vampire, he's a vegan, he ate someone. But again, she kind of already explained that when she explained what the pill, like how it affects people. So it was needed, like I didn't mind seeing it because you're like, oh shit, someone's running any faster. But like, they could, I think it had just the potential to be a better scene. I will agree with that. I, I would have been fine if it had been truncated and had more meaning to it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can I can see that point, Maddie. <laughs> what? <laughs> Come on, Festers. Were you, was the it interesting to you? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, like, are we going to talk about his whole like transformation into I like a what we've been seeing so far? Yes. Because, um, I mean. It's just a it's just a weird spiral and it's also 
I feel like it's weird for the chemist to be like, okay, I have these, um, you know, people who potentially and most likely will spiral into one of these, you know, ape blood sucking things. And she has like no care in the world. She's just like comfortable with leashing these people, these festers onto everyone as well. Like with no consequence. Like I feel like maybe she got kicked out of the government because of these these trials and these tests because who in the right mind would allow these creatures to live among normal people and like feed on them I don't know um so it's it's a really weird process to think about and especially like when he shuts him out and is basically he's left to do like figure out his whole life and what he is now on his own um the jacket I guess we figured out how they all dressed alike because they went to you know billy lord's um boutique and got all these costume looking 80s style jackets i don't know it's it's a little weird and like i said i just it's so just black and white now where before we were thinking about all these different colors and different ideas and and now it's just kind of sinking into like okay well we knew that and that's the explanation that you've given us like these people are literally just walking around because they're not talented like I don't know there should have there's just there should be more and I hope there's more um kind of spooky stuff I don't know like it just it seems too bland right now and I don't know if it's because like the first couple episodes have been so good and like so mysterious but now it's just kind of like well we knew all this and if this is the only answer, then what else is there? You know what I mean? I like that you say that because did anyone else kind of get more of like a comedic vibe and feeling to this episode more so than the previous? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I would say like it it definitely lost its ambience. Like the first mm-hmm. like two episodes had like a, an ambience, a feeling, like Maddie was saying, like a creepiness and like an unsettling feeling like underlying note to it and like it's just like this is it's completely gone in this episode because it's almost like they're telling us the answers that we had already known and there's no mystery to it you know what i mean it's like there's no there's no real like big questions anymore and it's just i guess we're all just feeling a little disappointed at this point yeah especially knowing how little we have left and it might i just say that I think the biggest disappointment for me in this episode, not even just in this episode, but this whole season so far, is I was so excited that Dennis O'Hare was back in American Horror Story. And I just feel like his character is so boring right now. Like, we did see a lot of him more in this episode, like, you know, as the realtor or whatever, giving, you know, the chemist the house and everything, and he was at the bar... But, man, just seeing him in contrast from his character in Hotel and how incredible he did with that character. Like I always say, he should have gotten an Oscar or something for it. Like, it was so good. And and now he's just, I feel like his character is just being swept under the rug. Like, he's just an extra. And, like, even Billy Lord's character is a bit more interesting than him. So I hope that they do more with him. I just wanted to say that because that has been bugging me the whole time. I agree with you. I feel, like, I feel like they are. I feel like in my, like, theoretic mind, obviously 
the Lyme disease freak slash like interior designer is going to take a pill and then she's going to have no talent. But I think like he's going to almost like act as like an opposite because they are both interior designers, if I remember correctly. But I feel like they're going to do something maybe like where they're like contrasting because I don't think he took any pills. I really don't. Um, And he clearly like he's been there since like five years ago when all this started. So he has to know something. So I feel like he might act almost as a mirror to her. But, yeah, I agree. He's, like, he's kind of just there, like, background noise. But, yeah. It's just, it's he deserves so much better. Agreed. Like, I, you know, and, and this is what we talked about last week, where I was really pissed that they killed off Adina Porter's character. I saw how it worked with the story, but... I, you know, I hated that that actress was really underused, I felt like. And, you know, part of me is almost starting to wonder, you know, all of these names that we've talked about are people that, you know, they bring a lot to the table for American Horror Story in the form of drawing an audience. You know, like I was really excited for Dennis O'Hare to come back. I was excited for Billy Lord to be in it, you know, and it just really made me wonder. It's like how much of it might be a possibility of like, you know, because of COVID and scheduling conflicts and things or was part of it just like, all right, you only have a couple of days. Okay, great. Well, we're going to whip up this character for you really quick. So you're there and you're part of the story because I do kind of feel like they're not being utilized to the best of their ability. It's almost like, I don't know, forced is the right word, but they're being injected into the story in ways that it's like, okay well you introduce them but then they don't show up for two more episodes again and like where are we going i this season felt like it was meant to be a more intimate cast and we're kind of getting this group expanding but the expansion and contraction is really hard to follow and it doesn't really pace well with me because some of these people you expect to see a lot more of and they're actually doing kind of bit roles yeah and maybe it's the whole thing that we've been talking about how Maybe uh, maybe Red Tide should have just been the entire season. I know that we're, like, kind of harping on this episode in a big way. So after this episode, maybe in our minds we're like, should this be a longer thing? But I, I still think Red Tide, it should not have been double feature. I think Red Tide, based off the the strength of the first three episodes... I know that there was a little bit of a mixed reaction um, from from us, from our team, for the previous episode, but I still think that had a better reaction from all of us than this episode. Um, but So based off of the strength of the first three episodes, Red Tide really should have been the 10-episode season, because there are a lot of actors that came back that, as you said, Vinny, you know, some of them are only getting a tiny bit of screen time, and their characters seem interesting enough to have a larger presence in the story. And I don't know if they will have a larger presence in the story. Yeah, I yeah. think I'll just be more excited to see. I guess, like, like I said, these last two episodes are going to be make it or break it, right? Like, we've we've had such high hopes. And, you know, like, I'm not completely, you know gonna say like i'm not gonna watch it anymore or whatever because it's it's just it's been so good so far so i hope that it continues and who knows like maybe even in the second um you know part of this season um they might use the same actors and stuff like i i don't know if the cast is the same for the second part um interspersed yeah so i mean we might see them more and in bigger roles, right? So um, I'm not too sure. But yeah, like I just, 
I want to get back to the the main the main story. The main story. Let's go. Look, done with this flashback. Let's go back. Did you hear that, Ryan Murphy? Madison Fitzpatrick has ordered it, so thus it must be done. I am done, Ryan. <laughs> Maddie, hilarious. did you listen to last week at all? I did. Yeah, so hopefully the Murph will now be over. <laughs> <laughs> I give him two episodes in the middle of the season, and here's hoping the Murph will now pick up momentum again. Oh, my gosh. Oh, gosh. Okay, so Bel Noir. Bel Noir. We get a lot of Belle Noir in this episode. It's interesting because out of the two, Belle, the, the two, you know, the dynamic duo that we were introduced to of Belle Noir and Austin Summers, Belle Noir was the first one to take the pill. We get a lot of BTS. Uh, she had quite the husband. And I do mean she had <laughs> quite, the, quite husband. the husband. What a charmer, eh? Yeah, what That's a charmer. Awesome. Um, she was a struggling writer. She was writing, and I can't believe I'm even saying this, <laughs> historical erotica. So if you've ever wanted to have fantasies about George Washington, Martha Washington, and Benjamin Franklin getting their fuck on. I cannot tell a lie. It is for you. Oh God! I I was just like <laughs> thought of this shit. Brad Falchuk Wait, what were you saying, Odina? <laughs> you know there is a Trump supporter somewhere looking this up on fan fiction to see if it's re real. Probably. What is that rule on the internet that if you know if you could think it, then it's a fetish. This has to be a yep. fetish for someone. Who? I don't mm-hmm. know. But there's better porn out there. I'm just saying. Good grief. Uh, okay. So, Belle Noir. Everything Belle Noir. Let's talk about her. Maddie? I loved her um, in this episode. Like, I I, I really did enjoy the, um, the flashback of her story. Um, just because it was really cool that, you know, she she was a struggling writer and obviously her look is completely different. We find out that she is, you know, insecure because she has an abusive husband. Um, and just the fact that she wasn't confident in her own writing. Um, and then, you know, she gets introduced and, uh, she blossoms into what we know now as beautiful and cunning and confident and sexy, Belle Noir. So I really enjoyed this part. Um, it was really, really cool seeing her kind of transformation into who she is. Um, like even just in the beginning when she's talking to um, Mickey in the bar to when she's talking to Billy Lord's character in her shop, like her character is completely different the way that she communicates, the way that she carries herself. So seeing that transformation was really, really, really great. Odina, what about you? Belle Noir. What'd you think of her backstory? Uh, I'm going to agree with Maddie. I think this was the most uh, redeemable 
point in the episode. Um, they did a really good job, as Maddie said, kind of showing her transition as a character. Her husband's a piece of shit. I also feel like it did a really good job of, like, advertising how the pill really can affect or, like, change someone's character. Um, when, Especially when she, like, kills her husband and then she goes to tell the chemist. And the chemist was like, okay, what did you feel? She's like, did you feel rage? She's like, yeah, but I felt thirst. So, like, I feel like that was a really good point as well. And the fact that she kind of, like, almost disassociated her, like, feelings for her husband and just, like, didn't care anymore. I think that was also a very important part because I think that you can obviously see that in present day. Um, So, yeah, I thought she did a really, really good job with everything. Thing. I think they d- did a good job showing her character kind of evolve into what she is now. Um, and again, I guess everyone goes to Billy Lord's like tattoo slash like clothing slash dentist shop to like get clothes, but it really suits her. And yeah, overall, I thought it was a really good point. Well, I mean, it it means she's making some bank apparently. <laughs> Shout out to Billy Lord. Yes. Vinny, I'm going to bring you in for this, too, because everyone's having very tiny thoughts. So I need everyone's thoughts. Come on down to Billy's Threads and Fangs. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, oh, my I, God. Imagine, imagine if that was the name of her show. <laughs> I, have you guys seen that commercial where it's, like, the guy talking about it's some weird combination of, like, chicken and and tires or something it's like this really over-the-top meme that goes around and it's like i just imagine a commercial with her and they're like are you having trouble biting into your prey come on down and get a new set of fangs and a really awesome jacket at the same time and they're all (laughs) throwing a tattoo for free right (laughs) uh no i i continue with the trend here this was if there was anything that this edit this episode could have been dedicated to in its entirety and i would have been okay with it it was the evolution of belle noir i will admit that her background was incredibly predictable but i think we all saw it coming that she was going to have to come from a background of being incredibly meek you know maybe talented but just hadn't found her muse yet pun intended um I, I agree with the, the transformation process. It was really awesome to see her go from, you know, the mother on six feet under basically all over again into this powerhouse Black Widow that we love to hate so far this season. It, it was the one part of the episode that did give us information that in a way does translate well into the motivations and, you know, the, the current iteration of the character that we're used to. Um Hands down her wardrobe, once again, I fucking loved it. Like, she just, the transformation would not have been as awesome without the outfit that she put on when she finished her transformation completely and walked into that karaoke bar. Uh, Shout out especially to the two-year mark where she goes into that, the Thread and Fang shop, as I'm calling it from now on, and you could tell that she was in mid-cocoon. She was in mid-transition to the person that we know today, and there were elements of it that were peeking through. You know, she was already starting to kind of show the qualities, the strength, the fortitude, and the ruthlessness that we were coming to expect from Bill Noir. And I think this was the the most illuminating arc of the entire episode. I co-sign all of that. Francis Conroy is fantastic. Uh, I It's interesting because at the start of the season, I, I mentioned that Kathy Bates was supposed to be Bill Noir this season. And I can see Kathy Bates be Bill Noir. Bill Noir would be very different because Kathy Bates and um, Francis Conroy as actors are different 
actors. So it would have been it would have been good, but different. Uh, and uh, Frances Conroy knocked it out the park in this episode. She was fantastic. She was fantastic too at a certain point, but she was absolutely fantastic in this episode. Um, I, I do wish the focus would have been on Bel Noir, one hundred percent. Yeah, like, Bel Noir is the focus, as opposed to the chemist, and uh, getting the chemist, you know, uh, maybe sprinkled through the episode, maybe that would have been interesting. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about Austin. Austin, let's just say Austin's backstory, I think, was completely different than either of us could have guessed correct just a quick yeah. yes because yeah. i feel like yeah. we all agree okay okay <laughs> i was hoping for a more enthusiastic well it was guess. definitely i i quite enjoyed this story no no, no with... i'm not saying i'm not talking about that i'm saying his backstory was surprising like we would yes. not have been able to guess no no absolutely okay so austin summers he's in p-town we see him, uh, okay, so we do find out at, at a certain point, he is a struggling uh, playwright, but to pay the bills, we catch up with him on Halloween night at The Muse, which is having a drag show, and Austin Summers is in horrible drag, and uh, he has a horrible drag name. Patio Furniture, which is about as erotic as you can get, I guess, in P-Town. <laughs> so let's talk about Patio Furniture. Patio Furniture, she was bullied by her fellow drag performers that night. Uh, Patio Furniture was at the piano, was approached by a fully um, musified... Um, Belle Noir. That's where their, their friendship and kinship started. She could see the creativity in him and all that kind of stuff. Uh, let's talk about Austin. Who wants to go first? I will. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so I feel like this was a bit of an in injustice to Austin's character, not because of his actual backstory, but because of the limited time that they gave it. Again, I could have done with less of the chemist, and this episode could have been amazing to me if they had focused on Belle and Austin, because you kind of get glimpse of, like, their kinship and their friendship, but it's never, like, you don't fully see it, like, and understand why it's as deep-rooted as it is um, in the present day and why they're willing, like, it's pretty much them against everyone else. Also, I was really, like kind of let down with the fact that I didn't get the same emotional weight with Austin's backstory as I did with Bell's. Like, with Bell's, you're like, okay, cool, you can see the transformation, you see the emotion in the transformation and how she kind of got to where she is. But with Austin, it's kind of like they gave him such little time to breathe as a character that you don't, like, you're like, okay, so he was kind of bullied by a bunch of drag queens like you don't see him like you never got a scene of him like writing after he does a drag show and then maybe being like 
why are you writing? You're not talented, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, you don't see that same kind of struggle that you did with Belle. So while I did like the drag stuff and I thought it was pretty funny, um, I would have liked to see more of him and then kind of maybe round off the episode with how he and Belle kind of bonded very closely. You know what? You make a really good point. I didn't really think of it in that way, but I can agree with you on that. It is a bit disappointing that he had such a tiny storyline compared to Belle Noir. I mean, and this is no shade to Belle Noir because we gave her a lot of praise. Frances Conroy, fantastic in in that role in this episode. And Evan Peters, fantastic in his acting as well. But we had so little time with Austin that it it was a bit disappointing. Even though what we saw was interesting, it left all of us wanting more. Right, Vinny? Indeed. This this part of the episode, I I loved it for what it was meant to be, which was a little bit of camp and a vehicle to see Evan Peters in drag gyrating poorly while drunk on stage to heart. But, you know, there's part of me, it just goes back to, are we just doing things as a vehicle to get people on the show? Like Eureka O'Hara, you know, being a RuPaul's alumni and, you know, okay, well, we want to get this person in. How can we shoehorn them in into some way to make it work? Um, it's not that it didn't work, but it was too short. I completely agree that we had we had no sooner met Patio Furniture than we were left with the fact, okay, so you just assaulted and killed a room full of drag queens and possibly straight men, or questioning, question mark, and you didn't do any writing. You had possibly, like, an incredibly bad seizure from the pill, but then we're up and ready to go. Um, it left me wanting more. Uh, If I had been in charge of this, I honestly would have written it in a way where as much as the drag queen thing was fun, I would have much rather have seen them having a friendship before they took the pill and kind of been that, you know, artists in solidarity struggling together in this podunk town. You know, maybe they became friends when she can do her reading and, you know, they bonded over the fact that neither of them has been really successful. And, you know, they had this strong friendship that transferred over because the people that were presented with doing the karaoke duets you know, the people that are hunting together. I, I want to believe that there was more to this friendship than just mutual desperation after, you know, getting the, the cravings from the pill. And Belle was the, the figurehead, the spearhead of this episode. Austin's storyline felt rushed. It felt condensed. It felt, like I said, like a vehicle for having the drag scenario involved. And it kind of, the episode for me kind of ended very abruptly. Like I honestly expected a a commercial break and then we were going to see him writing or we were going to see them, you know, another flash forward to like a year ago or something. Um, When I try to connect past Austin to current Austin, I can see a little bit of it, but I don't feel like we got to know him as well as we got to know Bell. So watching that transformation was very jarring and abrupt. And I don't think that it really meshed well. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head, 100%. Um, I think this episode would have done a better job focusing on Belle and Austin with the chemist sprinkled in. That would have been a bit better. And I, I can understand the writer's sort of methods, 
because the chemist was sort of like shrouded in mystery and we didn't really get her until the previous episode. So I get the, um, the want, the need to show more of this character, but I think he should have just stuck with the characters that we knew because that was a much more interesting, um, that was a much more interesting side of this episode than everything with the chemist. And I agree, Vinny, uh, we should have seen how they bonded, how they really became friends. Uh, that little brief thing from two years ago. I mean, I mean it seems like they've been friends for ages. Uh, the, the timeline of everything is a little off for me as well, especially with their successes. Um, I don't know, it just seemed like Bel Noir had been doing this for at least a decade. And Austin had been writing plays for at least maybe half a decade. I don't know. It, mm-hmm. It's, yeah. Uh, oh, mm-hmm. I also wanted to pitch in, like, we never get an answer as to how Belle and Austin form, like, an agreement with the chemist. Belle goes to see her, like, once after she kills her husband yes. to, like, update her. And then, like, you never, like, there's no other additional, like, how, like, how does Austin know the chemist? Did Belle bring her there once she realized that they were making a bunch of money off of her pills? Like, did they then strike a bargain? Like, answers, but yeah. Well, I think a lot of that is stuff we could have guessed. I mean, we, we can guess because we know who Belle and Austin are in the present day, but I agree with you. We should have seen a little bit more of interaction between basically them. basically like everything that we saw and everything that we're saying that we could have seen or should have seen could have been all put together faster like you know what i mean like take out some stuff from the chemist take out some stuff maybe from from bell like not as long and like smash it all together to basically like bring us up to present day you know what i mean yeah like you don't drag like we didn't really need like her in the bar doing drugs with Mickey. Like we didn't really need that. Or we didn't need, you know, the chemist asking Mickey to do this thing. Like there's, there's some of that stuff that dragged on maybe too long or we didn't need. And then the stuff that we're talking about right now, like the relationships and how they formed, like that could have been brought in a bit more and it could have just been smashed together and like brought us to present day. Like, you know what I mean? It could have been a a really fast flashback episode where, these little parts kind of didn't explain so much, still kind of kept us guessing, but answered enough that we're like, okay, that explains how we're here right now. But there's still some mystery behind stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did anyone else expect the episode to end coming back to present day for like the last two minutes? Because I yes. did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It ended in such a weird way. I mean, you know, your girl, Vinny. I mean, we had to follow her because that was like a um, a loose end. And, yes. uh, yeah, so, I mean, you know, it seemed almost like that moment was like a recreation of like some sort of Dracula moment from a film, <laughs> I think. With the of Sunset Boulevard. Something. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, she got got. Uh, Vinny, your take on... I don't think I've gotten your, your take on um, Austin Summers. What did you think of him? I, I feel Actually, like you agree did, with what we've all said. We did. 
Okay, okay. I wasn't sure if you chimed in. No, we all kind of tangent went on off on tangents, but yeah, I, I said it was too short and all that good stuff. Yeah, and the ending was also incredibly abrupt. I mean, not just what you were saying, Vinny, in regards to I thought we were going to go into the present, but it was just abrupt. Like when it ended, I literally said out loud, "Is that it?" And then right. I looked at my direct TV because I was fast forwarding yeah. the commercials, and it was it. Like next thing was the promo. And okay, I was like, good. well, thank God we're in the present now. Yeah, that really threw me off because I don't remember them doing it like that. But we were watching. We had that last scene with Eureka and Fester. And then it went to commercial break. And I would have expected to go right to the credits if that was the end. But instead, we got the promo. And I was like, oh, OK, so we're probably going to get a little bit in the present to whet our appetite for next week. And then it was just straight up credits. So I, I was like, did somebody do their job wrong editing? Yeah, because usually I feel like, maybe I'm remembering wrong, like when it's like the last clip, like we'll get the whole doom doom, stay tuned for scenes from the next episode yeah. or something. But we didn't even get that. Um, yeah, so that was something. Uh, okay, this is going to be fascinating uh, because we're we're heading into the MVP, but before I even say that, was there anything that I missed? A tiny little moment? Can we talk about the Mickey of it all briefly? Yes, let's talk about Mickey. We did get a lot of Mickey in this episode. So it was really interesting. I would have liked to see his downfall. And maybe I took this wrong, but Mickey seemed to be, he was very prominent in this episode. And he seemed like he was initially the chemist's right-hand man, her wingman, if you will. But I feel like we missed something where something changed because Looking back at last week, you know, he was saying, you don't go near that house. You don't want to go there. So I took away from that that something had to happen where the chemist scared the shit out of Mickey or he fell out of favor or something. And I was almost expecting that we were going to see that. And that's another resonation that doesn't, you know, travel forward into where we are in present day, because I I feel like this past Mickey, while the same character I feel like we were missing something, and this might be another one for the list of things that were implied that should not have been. They should have been portrayed, but it was really fascinating to see him be kind of like her first contact, her go-to, but there's been a disconnect between then and now where Belle and Austin seem to be the front runners and the figureheads of it all, and he's kind of back to going to the dick dock and, you know, living in the shed, crapping in a bucket, and... He obviously didn't get a lot out of the relationship with the chemist. So I'm really wanting to know what happened. Yeah, I agree with Mm -hmm. you there, Vinny. Um, My thought of why, like, he's so, you know, against the chemist now and, like, against the pills and stuff. Well, obviously, we know he's taken one. But, like, even before then, I think it was maybe because he was actually seeing uh, throughout the years what they were actually doing to people. Because, like, you know, we did see one fester. But, like, obviously, throughout the years... A lot more people took the pills and maybe he just saw like his town basically like killing itself because of these things. Right. So and maybe he was, you know, like getting jealous of the fact that when the people did take these pills, they were getting rich and famous. And, um, you know, because he doesn't think that he is talented enough to even take them. Right. So maybe that's why, because, you know, like we did have that moment where he was like, hey, buddy, like, to the singer, he's like, you don't look so good and stuff like that. So maybe he he was kind of actually seeing what these pills were doing to the people that he once knew. You know what I mean? And maybe he felt a little guilty because he was the one bringing them to her at first. You know what I mean? 
But um, I did really think that at the start of this episode, am I the only one who thought that he was really put together compared to what we see him previous, like yes. before? Yeah. I was, like, I was like, you don't really look like you're falling off the wagon. Like you kind of like look like you took a shower yesterday. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, like shit hit the fan in five years, which I mean, you know, if you're doing drugs, I mean, I guess that can happen, but it was still, I don't know, I don't really know how to describe that, but he he seemed way too clean and with it um, for five years ago, and I agree with you, the mystery of why his reaction was the way it was to the chemist, as well as the chemist's reaction to him. Although, technically, we could sort of see it as, you know, the chemist not wanting new people or something. Or, like, you know, because that's really what her reaction was in the previous episode. Yeah. But still, there seems like there should be more story there than what we got. And I don't think we're getting... Another flashback episode. I mean, I can remove the I don't think. I know we're not getting another flashback episode. There are two episodes left of Red Tide. And um, this seemed like a pause on everything. And, and not a good pause. Because we have had other episodes of American Horror Story in the past, in previous seasons, where we get a flashback episode. We get to know what happened earlier and what was the backstory of this location or these people and how they got to that location. And for the most part, it has been interesting. This one, unfortunately, left us craving more. We we had a thirst. Does anybody watch Titans? Yes. Oh my God, yes. Okay. If I say that this was the Hawk and Dove episode, do you know what I mean? From, like, the third season, yeah? Yeah, like, well, like, every season they have, like, an episode that's dedicated to Hawk and Dove, and it's, yeah. like, universally panned as, like, the least favorite episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, but have you seen it this season, though? Yeah, no, it was a good one this season. It, it, this it was. Like, but, yeah, yeah. But this but the, the, I kind of that that's the correlation that I drew is like, OK, so something really big happened last week. But instead of telling you what the next thing that happens is, we're going to take you a little bit back on a, a, a detour and, and give you a bunch of backstory. And it, it's not bad, but it's not anything that really you're like, you, yeah, you could have done without it. <laughs> I'm curious, though, to know, because like I want to know what the end game was. So the chemist shows up, right? And then just starts dealing out pills for her experiment. She's okay. taking notes, doing this, doing that. So then how does she get, like, what is the point in that? And then we skip to, like, present day and she's like, stop handing out my pills to everybody. Like, I don't want any attention. Like, something has to go south. And maybe that ties into Mickey a bit. Like, where something has to go left field where she's like, okay, like, enough. Like, I was also hoping she was going to go a little mad scientist, and maybe that's why she fell out with the government. Like, they were like, we want these pills to do this. But then she was like, no, but they could do this. And they're like, well, no, that's, like, against moral or ethical codes. And so she just takes the information and runs with it. But, yeah, I just don't know what the end game of 
her whole, like, I guess, research process was. Yeah, the med scientist route seemed like an appropriate way to deal with the chemist. I mean, it, it is a horror movie trope, so they would be, you know, striking a, 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 um, a trope that is incredibly familiar to this genre, but they didn't. Yeah, this is, for me, I know that Vinny and, and a couple of you also had, like, qualms about the previous episode, but I, I liked the previous episode. Priscilla's not here, but she liked the previous episode as well. Um, this one, for me, is a major hiccup this season, which is incredibly disappointing, as as we've said, for the most part, we've really enjoyed the first three episodes. I also felt like if the husband's body on the beach was supposed to be our answer to the current day bodies on the beach, that that was incredibly lazy. Yes, 100%. So I'm hoping yeah, you'd also think she would step her game up on how to get rid of bodies in the present day. I was honestly <laughs> right. hoping that the, like, bodies by the beach thing was going to tie into, like, a siren thing. Because I'm like, why would you just leave them at the beach? Like, they're, like, it's literally the most visible place ever. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Like, it just... I was really hoping for, like, a tidbit. Like, I'm still, I'm like Bonnie Tyler, except I'm holding out for a siren instead of a hero. Like, I want that to happen because there's so many signs that, and, and this is also, I admit, me being desperate for, to be right because I really want to be right about the sirens. But it, it's just, it's going to be a huge missed opportunity if they don't do it. And I, I feel like it's going to leave us kind of disappointed if they're going the route that it seems like they might be going. All right. I feel like we've exhausted this episode. I'm exhausted by trying to give up this episode. <laughs> Let's head into the MVP. The most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So, choose wisely. Vinny, your MVP, and why? Hmm. So there's the obvious choice. Uh, but I'm actually going to challenge myself to be different and pick somebody other than Belle Noir, And I'll let somebody else have Belle. Um... Uh, I'm actually, I'm going to go with the chemist, and I'll explain why. Um, Even though what we learned did not contribute to the advance of the plot, even though we did not get her motivations, we did not get, I'll sum it up in a better way. Angelica Ross was given absolute shit-poor piss to deal with in this episode as far as, like, character exposition, character development, character advancement. However, she brought it, as she did in 1984, You know, she, for a character that was introduced in the third episode, very briefly, to be pushed to the forefront of an episode like this, I mean, she had limited material to work with, but what she did work with, I really do enjoy the character, and I still want to learn more, even though she seems a little bit one-dimensional, I view that as the way the character is being written. I feel like this is obviously a character who holds their cards very close to their chest, and underneath of it all, there is a tempest. There is insecurity. There is anxiety. And I feel like we got my favorite scene of this episode was actually after Fester comes and confronts her. And she's like, get the fuck out of here. Don't ever come back to my house. And I was like, hell yeah, you Pam Greer. I love it. Do it. Do it. You know, but then she closes the door and her facade fell for a minute. And we saw a humanity kind of shine through. Like, is she really unsure about what she's doing? Is there... There, there's clearly more depth to the character that's probably going to come out, at least I hope so, over the next couple episodes. So even though I wasn't happy with the story presentation, her performance and just overall 
I'm curious to see where the character goes. And even though it didn't contribute as much as I would have liked, she did an amazing job. And she's clearly the linchpin of everything that's going wrong in this town. And I, I am thirsty for more, pun intended again, to find out what her motivations are, where she's going. And when the shit really hits the fan, what side does the chemist end up on? All right. I like that justification. Let's see. Hmm. Maddie Fitz. Uh, okay. Um, and I was thinking about this through the whole episode. <laughs> I'm like, who am I going to pick? Who am I going to pick? Um, ugh. I'm kind of going to like Vinny. Like, obviously, ugh. I, okay, okay, okay. Madison, you know what you want to do. <laughs> I, oh no, I'm like pumping myself up. I think I'm going to go with Mickey on this one. Um, just because I really enjoyed him in this episode. I thought that his character, in, like I said before, you know, from, you know, the double feature, I really wanted to know more about his character um, I wanted to see, you know, Macaulay Culkin really shine, really come through. And him uh, in this episode, like I said, he was a little bit more put together than he was um, in the previous episodes. And I really enjoyed him. And, you know, obviously he's kind of, you know, a scumbag because he's been bringing people to the chemist. Um, but I mean, I kind of got more into his character and... Um, just kind of seeing his values and um, just what makes him him. And uh, but yeah, I just I really enjoyed him this episode. So he's my MVP. Odina. Okay, so we all know who an obvious choice is, and she is an MVP. But I am gonna go with Austin mainly because I think he deserves some sort of recognition for the limited amount of time he got. Um, and I do think he was a bit of a bright spot in an otherwise, like, boring episode. Like, it, even if it was a bit campy and whatever else, like, it still held my attention. I still like the fact that we got some sort of backstory about Austin and that we saw a little bit of his current personality shine through in the previous years. So for me, it's going to be Austin Summers. You all are incredibly kind, because that means I can pick Bel Noir. <laughs> what? Is... I thought you were going to pick Tuberculosis Karen. I know, right? <laughs> all of oh, her... Do we all love how well she cleaned up? <laughs> all of her, like, five seconds of screen time. She gave us a new cough. I'm um, just happy she wasn't screaming. I know, right? <laughs> Uh, TB Karen. But, uh, yeah, Belle Noir. I, I mean, Francis Conroy was magic. I mean, this is a reason why we have legends uh, on American Horror Story. She delivered. She was fantastic from meek to chic by the end of the episode. Yeah, oh, God, when she killed her husband... She sucked his blood, and she goes to the chemist with a bloody face. Not, you know, a, a callback to season two, but her own bloody face is fantastic. Um, yes, and, and uh, Billy Lord, teeny tiny little uh, scene with her. They were both fantastic together. 
Belnoir was everything, point blank and the period. Uh, this was the Belnoir episode, even though it was not the Belnoir episode. Yeah, what can I say? Belnoir. What's interesting about Frances Conroy is I've always loved her in everything that she's done. This season especially, like, if you had told me in a season before that she had the capacity to outshine Jessica Lange as, like, the, the, the figurehead of American Horror Story, I could have seen it, but I would have wanted to see it first. Now, having seen this, like, if she became what they used to have Jessica Lange as in the first few seasons, I would be here for it. She has such a range. She has such gravitas, which is, like, I'm always fascinated by her characters, and she's played such a plethora of different types of characters and everything she's done, but especially on this show. Like, she really, really brought her A++ game this season, and I am 100% here for her. And I, I'm going to be sad when Red Tide is over, because Belle Noir is one of my all-time top ten favorite characters of every season. Yeah, she's been fantastic. She's been able to create this incredible character, maybe even one of her best characters on American Horror Story, period. So, uh, yeah, I do hope American Horror Story goes back to, uh, you know, having a real legend as the headliner. Uh, that's something that has been missing ever since Jessica Lange left. No offense to anybody else that's acting on American Horror Story. I'm just saying. So, uh, now it's time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 muse pills? The point system is allowed. And if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden muse. Odina, you are first. Oh, damn. Okay. Ooh. I know, right? <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to give it a 5.7. Mainly because... I think <laughs> this episode for me really lost its stride in terms of like being on brand and having that level of like American Horror Story genius and feel to it. Like previous seasons that I've seen that I didn't really like have all kind of gone this way where it's like it's really good. You get this feeling of true horror like very much creepiness like there's an ambiance to it and then it just like dies out and that was this episode for me like I honestly like couldn't I would not watch this again I didn't really care for it I could google notes what happens and be happy just reading it um I mean hopefully fingers crossed the next couple of episodes are good I just feel like it was a waste of an episode when you already have a limited number and now there's only two episodes left for our minds to be blown away. So, like, it kind of just made me lose hope. Well, there's that. All right, what was that, a 5.7, correct? Yes. Yes. All right, starting off with a 5.7, Maddie Fitz. Holy cannoli. Okay. Um, I know, did somebody I... be beat Maddie Fitz? I know, I know, right? Um, I'm going to go with a six muse pills um definitely one of my lower ratings um not as bad as adina but definitely understand her reasoning um and for me really the only reason it's above uh a five is because 
I really enjoyed the backstory of Belle Noir. But really, besides that, it it did. It, it lacked luster. It lacked mystery. Um, and like I said, the ambiance and, and that mystery and that that just creepy, spooky, um, you know, vibe that we got from the, the first three episodes that was just gone. And, um, yeah, it, re- it really, it, I just, I wish that there was more. I understand that this is a flashback episode. Sometimes that does happen when you do this, um, because you're not in the current day story. Um, but I think, it just it could have been better. It could have been better, but I'm holding it strong a bit because I did enjoy Bel Noir's story. Okay. Five point seven, a six. They're all in the same neighborhood. What neighborhood are you stopping by, Vinny? I'm gonna go with the golden I'm kidding. Uh... <laughs> Get off. Get off this show. <laughs> I'm gonna make you feel a little bit better. Um I'm going straight down the middle with a five. Uh, you know, I, I talked last week about the Merc and worrying that that was what was going to happen. And because my prediction proved to be 100% true this episode, it is straight down the middle of five for me. No points, no elevation. Um, while I did love the Belle Noir, you know, that arc was really great. I don't think that it was enough to carry this episode on its own merits. Everything with Belle Noir could have been told as half of an episode interspersed with, you know, another half with present day. Um, you know, there was so much that was rushed. There was so much that was drawn out. There was a lot of characters being shoehorned in here and there that it, at some points I almost felt a little bit dizzy with, oh, okay, Dennis O'Hare is back. Oh, wait, Billy Lord's here. And Billy Lord is being really vastly underused, just like Dennis O'Hare. Um, you know, it, the easiest m- the comparison I can make is if you've ever been to a buffet, and at the buffet where they're constantly changing out the food when it's empty, sometimes the almost empty food, it's warm and it's edible, but it might have been sitting there for a few hours. So it's just OK. But then when they bring out that fresh, fresh dish of like macaroni and cheese or whatever, it, it always tastes better. And that's like, you know, you're, you're going to go for that. And the OK stuff is going to kind of just sit there for me. Belle Noir was that big new dish of macaroni and cheese that's really warm and fresh and tastes wonderful Every other part of the episode, which was a majority for me, was disjointed. It didn't advance the current storyline. I walked away from this episode really not with a lot of knowledge about where we're going in next week when we come back to the present. And while I valued the backstories that we got, I even though Bells was great, Austin didn't balance out very well. I was left wanting knowing where their friendship really went after her initial recruitment of him. And this episode was 100% a definition of the Murph, you know, that time of the season that Odina just described in detail, where, you know, you start off with this awesome momentum and all these expectations are set. And then we're kind of just left with the meh, you know, like, I, I agree. I, I wouldn't rewatch this episode in its entirety. I would go to YouTube and watch the Belle Noir clips. But overall, I, I don't think when you put it next to all the other episodes i really don't think that it it did a lot for the season as a whole going up in ratings in my book yeah i i just want to know what buffet you're going to that serves um mac and cheese (laughs) um there was this one back in maryland called the old country buffet and another restaurant called golden corral Shout out to the Golden Crown. Oh my god, Golden Crown. Golden Crown. Yes. I don't know about going to a buffet during COVID times, but... (laughs) 
Do they not have macaroni and cheese at buffets in Canada? No. No. <laughs> they have yeah, poutine. Yeah. Ah, okay. Uh, yeah. Excuse you, it's pronounced poutine. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I'm not Canadian. Um, clearly. All right. I will agree with the six. And it really is on the strength of Francis Conroy on um, Macaulay Culkin. The surprising shining star of this season. Uh, I'm still beyond impressed with Macaulay Culkin this season. So Macaulay Culkin, a little bit Evan Peters, just because we only got a little bit of Evan Peters. And Angelica Ross for the acting, not necessarily the content. Um, yeah, this episode, uh, you know, we were, like, driving along, we were coasting, you know, in the, uh, you know, the, the northeast of the United States, we were coasting along a, a coastal highway, and we just pumped the brakes big time with this episode, um, I don't know, maybe there was a lot of roadkill on the road, but we pumped the brakes big time, and it ruined the momentum. It really did for me. Um, had we gotten... We didn't need it. Uh, okay. It's not that we needed. It's not that we needed. It's not that we needed our theories to become true. We had some pretty damn good theories. It's not that I needed that to become true and become reality and that sort of thing. I didn't need us to be right, but we needed something a bit more interesting than what we got. It seemed way too simple to to need to be expressed over the course of an hour episode. It, yeah. They should have... This should have been an episode they tinkered with. I don't know if any of the other episodes they were really tinkering hard with them during the COVID hiatus that they had. But if they were, I mean, they really should have tinkered with this episode. I'm just saying. So on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of Are You Afraid? Double Feature. Part 1, Red Tide. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Are You Afraid? Double Feature. And subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with Vinny. Good night, everyone. And remember, if you run into a stranger in a bar and she offers to take you home, she probably doesn't want sex. She wants to give you mind-altering pills that will make you thirst for blood. True that. Maddie Fitz? Good night, everybody. And remember, if there's a local artist in your town doing a book signing, go to it. Yes. And Odina? Good night, everybody. Try not to fester about this episode. <laughs> Ooh, you're cute. 
I like it. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Are You Afraid? Double Feature, Part 1, Retide, every Friday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Papi Chula Radio Archives. Good night.